Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dindi. I'm an 11-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Disclaimer, the purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. The podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professionals and is not intended for the use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests who speak in a podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conditions conclusions. Neither Talea Dendi, Navigating Cancer Together, On the Other Side, LLC, nor any of its affiliates endorses, supports, or opposes any treatment option or other matter discussed in a podcast. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy on a podcast should not be construed as an endorsement. This is Talea Dendi from OnTheOtherSide.life, and you're listening to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and hearts. Today, our very special guest is Tracy Steeles. Tracy is a 20-year African-American breast cancer survivor, a wife, and a mother. Tracy became the advocate she couldn't find that she needed while fighting for her life. She had many trials and tribulations that came her way during treatment. However, her faith is what sincerely sustained her. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's my pleasure, Tracy. So please start off just by telling us a little bit about your cancer journey and how you found out that you had breast cancer. Yes, as you stated, it will be, I should say, has been, I'm claiming it now, 20 years. It did not come without any controversy or any disparities. First of all, I was under 40 when I was diagnosed. I literally had to fight to gain a mammogram because A, I was under 40 and the medical personnel was not very open to what I have to say. I started believing in the female intuition that we do get because I felt the lumps. I knew something was there. My first reaction was not that it could be cancer, but my first reaction is it needed to be out. So I wanted to have it first checked out before it's taken out. I found the lump myself. Wow. Tracy, what was your first course of action when you found that lump? Did you continuously go back to the same doctor or did you try a different doctor? How did that work for you? Because I didn't have the blueprint, 
I didn't have anybody before me that had went through any of this. So I couldn't even pick up the telephone and say, hey, I found this lump. Mm -hmm. So my first reaction was to go to the doctor. I called my primary care physician and spoke to the nurse, of course. And she immediately dismissed me and said, she asked me questions like, did you recently have your menstrual cycle? And I say, yeah, I did. And she goes, were you under 40? You just had your men menstrual cycle. It's probably a hormone. And she totally dismissed me. And she said, you're not 40. Your insurance is not going to cover a mammogram. So I said, well, could at least come in and somebody look at it much further than I have? And she says, no, the doctor is not going to see you because you're not 40, et cetera, et cetera. So... It just literally kind of ticked me off and I got dressed and I told myself I'm going and I walked right in the office. And this is a doctor that I had for a long period of time. And I walked right in the office and he happened to see me coming through the door. And he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, I have a lump. I need you to check out. And so, of course, I totally disturbed the whole milieu of his office by doing this because usually the nurses are in charge. And he brought me in and he says, yeah, there's something there. And I go, yeah, I know there's something there and I need this to be checked out. But of course, he did not have what he needed in his office, such as an ultrasound, anything like that to do anything with. So he immediately sent me over to the hospital to have my very first mammogram. And my very first mammogram was to determine if I had a lump that was either malignant or benign. And my very first mammogram I ever had surfaced cancer, a malignant lump. Wow. Tracy, how did you begin with the insurance company? Because like you said, you were under 40. They don't really cover things if they don't meet certain criteria, certain age, things like that. How did you work through the insurance company with this situation? After that, I went to see my ob -GYN. And at that time, I did not necessarily see her. I saw a midwife. That's who I had been seeing at that time. And she literally took me under her wing after I told her I had this ultrasound, this mammogram. And she was able to get my results. My primary care physician never told me I had the cancer. It was my midwife who told me. And she literally, her being a female herself, literally took me under her wings to tell me exactly the next steps that I need to go. And by then, because it was determined that I needed to go to the next step with a surgical biopsy, she helped me find the next doctor. And so by that time, I didn't have a problem with my insurance by that time due to the fact that A, the lump was there, two, the lump was prevalent, and three, there was no way at that time 20 years ago if they could determine if it was malignant or if it was benign besides doing a surgical biopsy. So the insurance company agreed to do the surgical biopsy so that they can determine whether or not, A, if they was going to pay for this mammogram for this woman that was under 40, and two, to see if I indeed have the cancer. Thankfully, you were very persistent in making sure that you got the care that you need and the answers that you need, because a lot of times we just throw up our hands and say, oh, forget it. That's not how it's supposed to be. You have to advocate for yourself, and your story is a great example of advocating for yourself, the importance of it, and the importance of being persistent until someone takes a look at you and can tell you exactly what's going on. Thank you for sharing that. 
Yeah. And not only that, you need to, especially we as women, you have to pay attention to that intuition that we give. I think it's a gift. We get the gift. And I think we have to exercise that there was something telling me this is not normal. This is not a hormone. And I was just very, I was very proud that I just didn't listen to something I wanted to hear. And I moved forward. Could not agree more. And intuition, I always say that intuition is God's compass, is God's way of drawing attention to something that we need to take action on. You mentioned that you had a surgical biopsy, Tracy. What were your other course of treatment? I had a surgical biopsy to, back then, this is how they did treatment, a surgical biopsy to determine whether or not my lump was malignant or benign. And then I had a surgical lumpectomy to see if any of the cancer had spread in my lymph nodes. And then from there, I had the surgery. So I had three surgeries in a row. Wow. I had a surgical biopsy. I had a surgical lymphectomy to see if the cancer had spread. And then I had the surgery to remove the lump. I was originally set up to have surgery to remove both of my breasts because that was the course of treatment that was recommended at the time. But once he got in there, my surgeon got into um, the breast area, my lump, which was the size of a big, large, extra large egg, was lodged into my what they call the milk ducts of the breast. And he was able to cut around. So essentially he saved my breast, but he did cut. So I had what you call a partial. So he did cut away where the lump was. I had breast conserving surgery, but that was not what the original plan was. Wow. Yes, yes. Another <laughs> blessing. It started off a little rocky, but yeah, you had a lot of blessings sprinkled throughout. Lovely. Do you happen to know what the course of treatment is today compared to what your course of treatment was 20 years ago? Yeah, some of the changes, which I am elated to see for women, they don't have to have three surgeries like I did. Now they have the ultrasounds where almost they can just see exactly how big your tumor is. They now, short explanation of it, they will shoot dye into your lymph node areas. And what the dye does, it lights up to see if there is any cancer cells that have spread from the breast to that area. That way they know that something is there. The one I had, they had to go in and scoop out I think they took out some like 42 lymph nodes of mine and eight were affected. So now they don't have to do that. And even with the mammograms that we get now, they have stereotactic mammograms to where it totally goes around the whole breast and they can see the whole breast as opposed to what I had to do is turn here, turn there, turn around, come back next week so we could see more size. It was very time consuming. So now what they have done, they have really, I won't say necessarily perfected the mammogram because you still have to have breast down, but they have made it so that there's not so many steps to be able to determine whether or not you have malignancy or if it's benign. So it's a better time to have cancer, I should say. Mm-hmm. The mammograms actually, I had one not too long ago, a few months ago, and it's just like you're in and out. It's really simple. There is some pressure and pushing on the breast, but I find it something very simple. You're in and you're out. and 
And if you have an online chart, typically you get your results the next day or next couple of days, depending upon the time of day that you had your mammogram. So sometimes the same day. Yeah, sometimes the same day. When I went for mine, I was told, go home. Don't worry about it. And you're like, what? It was like a hard mass almost. And I'm like, don't go home and worry about it. Are you serious? But again, that was during the age. There was no anything. Everything was either at the library and a book. So you didn't really have a good roadmap to go through. And no young women were talking about breast cancer. To that point, Tracy, how did you find support? What did your support system look like? And where were you getting the answers? Were you just talking to your doctor, the nurses? That was the whole key as to the reason why I became the advocate that I needed. There was only women that were 60 plus years old that I encountered. I probably went to probably four or five different support groups. At the time, I had a seven-year-old child. They didn't look like me, number one. Their lives were was not packed like mine. Well, they were all empty nesters. Some of them were retired women. They didn't have the same issues that I had. Their life had broken, but it had broken in different ways. Mine had broken into pieces to where they were done with their treatments. They were, as far as I was concerned, they had became professional criers. I didn't have the liberty to be a professional crier because I had a seven-year-old. My husband's private practice had just started. I was still working. I was not at a case at the point where I could just go home and just lay down. And there was nobody talking about nutrition. Could I exercise? Could I, et cetera, et cetera, which I thought was very, very daunting because I'm like, what do young women do? I can't be the only young woman with this cancer. Do you just go home and die? And so I became the advocate that I needed. So I reached out to the American Cancer Society and I'm like, what are the programs that you all have? Is there anybody that's maybe at least 40 or 45 that I can talk to? They had no one to pair me up with. No one. I became an advocate that I needed. There was no network at that time. There was no Young Survivors Coalition at the time. There was no Living Beyond Breast Cancer at the time. None of that existed. Wow. That had to be a lonely feeling in a sense, because you're like, I can't be the only one, but I am the only one. (laughs) In the African-American community especially Mm -hmm. in our community. I was at church and I came forward with my diagnosis and the women that had cancer, of course, they were older and they literally was not talking about it at all. There was one woman that reached out to me and she did it via phone, but I was grateful, but she was an elderly woman. Don't get me wrong. I was very grateful for her reaching out and I will never forget her. She has since gone on to glory, but She was the only one. And then I got ridiculed by some of my own because they were saying things like, you don't tell what's going on up under your dress and things like that. And that was another thing I wanted to get rid of. I'm like, this was something that I had no control over. And there's other women probably suffering silently. And that was one thing I was not getting ready to do was be silent. That's correct. And you bring up a good point, Tracy. I've heard a lot of people say this, that in their time, people just didn't talk about cancer. It has gotten a lot better now, but many people have said that their parents didn't talk about their cancer. If their aunt or somebody, uncle had cancer, nobody talked about it. 
And it's so important, especially today now with like genetic testing and all those things, it's important to know your family history so that you can make sure you stay on top of the proper screenings and things like that. And just having that education, it gives you a roadmap of what to look out for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was the first, as I knew it, in my Mm -hmm. family on both sides to have breast cancer. So like I said, I had I did not have a role. So I had an aunt that came after me on my father's side. She didn't even die from breast cancer. And I had a cousin on my mother's side who had breast cancer. So I had no roadmap. They all came after me. I'm assuming that they knew you had breast cancer. And so when cancer appeared in their lives, I'm assuming that they came to you for help and support. Absolutely. And by the time that they were diagnosed, I did have a a caseload of knowledge, was able to point them in some directions they needed to go into because I didn't want them to have the same struggle I had, trying to find resources, trying to find what they needed. I even had gotten to the point where I would just keep literature in my car from the American Cancer Society to say, here you go. This is how you figure this out. Um, Try eating this when you're going through your treatment, et cetera, et cetera. I could only give them my side of the story and what had happened, but it was all tried and true. And again, I was not going to stay silent. It just, it was too of a daunting experience to remain silent. I agree. Some people, Tracy, they go through it and they stay silent. They never talk about it. And then some people, they may not talk about it right away, but eventually they open up and start talking about it. For you, Tracy, did you start talking to people about it right away and educating people? Or was it when you entered into survivorship? A bit of both. When I first was diagnosed, I was not silent. I wasn't scared to tell anybody that I had cancer. I first initially went to my pastor at the time and told him about it. My husband and I went together and he immediately put me like on a path of of perspective, which I expected and needed. And then I was very upfront and close about it with my family. Did not sugarcoat it. My girlfriends all rallied around me because if you've never went through it, people don't know what to do either. And then after my survivorship. I've gone to D.C., Capitol Hill, to march. I've been to the governor's mansion to say nobody like myself should have to do this again. We have to do something about it. I was part of the Illinois Breast and Cervical Cancer, rah-rah, to get it here in Illinois that I shouldn't have to fight for a mammogram. I should not have to fight for OB visit. Those bills got passed. The Affordable Care Act was passed due to the fact that I was considered forever now pre-existing. That bill got passed. So those are wonderful things that a lot of people don't realize that has been passed that helps you along the way, especially here in Illinois. So I'm in Illinois. So here the women in Illinois don't have to struggle with the Illinois Breast Cervical Cancer Bill. And because of the Affordable Care Act, you shouldn't ever be disqualified from your insurance because you had cancer. So those were things, I, the big things that I was rallying for. And then the super big thing I started rallying for was the Young Survivors Coalition, because 
there's another woman like myself that have small kids. They need support. I joined American Cancer Society and started doing huge work with them with the Road to Recover, Reach to Recovery, Look Good, Feel Better program, the Speakers Bureau, so that other people could see people like myself, ordinary people just going about there every day. But you should not have to go through this cancer walk alone. It is too big of a task to do it by yourself. Tracy, what advice or what message do you have for women who are currently going through cancer treatment? Number one, keep every appointment they give you. Every appointment is imperative. Two, listen to your body. Not telling you wrong, listen to your body. Three, I would tell each woman to keep a journal, especially going through the process, because there's going to be some things. You're going to feel bad some days. Some days you're going to feel great. But listen to your body, jot these things down, because before next time you get to your doctor, you're not going to remember half the things that you were supposed to tell them a couple of weeks ago anyway. Keep a journal, and that journal becomes your own personal Bible, I should yeah. say. Four, lean in. Cry if you need to, holler if you need to, but do not stay there. Because another day is coming, and it gets brighter after the last sunset. And five, reach out. Do not go through this thing alone. Reach out and talk to somebody now. There's nobody in the United States that A, does not know somebody that has cancer, B, or has had it themselves, or three, can get you through it. There's nobody now that is living. And please know it does not have to be a death sentence. If you have history in your family, it's time for you to get checked out. And... Those pivotal ages, like by the time you're 40 for men, you should have a prostate exam. Like for women, by the time you're 40, you should have a breast exam. Those are pivotal points because the studies show those are when they usually things start showing up in your body. Go get your outpatient exams. Use your insurance to the fullest and do everything necessary because if your number does come up, and you never know if it does, you would be prepared to say, now I can either call Tracy or I could call the American Cancer Society. I could call the Sisters Network. I could. There's so many networks now, but you don't have to do this alone. Just do not do it alone. That's great advice. And I love that you mentioned keeping a journal. That was one of the things that I did. And believe it or not, I still have it today. And I still reference it today for different reasons. One of those reasons is on those really tough days where I'm like, God, I'm just tired. I'm ready to give up. I look at that journal. I'm like, oh, heck no. I went through worse. I can do this. The journal is a sense of growth. Yes. It's a sense of growth. And sometimes you laugh at what you wrote. And you're mm -hmm. like, who was that girl? Yeah. I literally have a journal through a whole journey. And I've thought about publishing it. But then again, I was like, that's something that's kind of mine. I kind of use it. I call it the TMS Bible per se, because mm -hmm. it's my thought. It was my journey and it was my source of truth. So a journal is just wonderful. And like I said, when I started doing this, I had went through a bad week during my process. And then I was to see my doctor the following week. And I really struggled with what I was supposed to tell him. 
because mm-hmm. I couldn't remember because chemo brain is real. Oh, yes. It's very real. And so I was like, that's it. I actually went in my purse and I had an envelope and I just started writing. And then I just went to a store and just got me a notebook. And, and people don't realize a journal doesn't have to be this beautiful book yes. that you paid a whole a lot of money for. It could just be a spiral notebook from where you got it from the dollar store and you do it that way. But it is, it's yours and it's your thoughts. That's right. And that's a great point. People also avoid journaling because they feel like it has to be complete sentences, perfect punctuation. No, jot down the thoughts that come to mind. They don't have to be in complete and correct sentences because it's for you. Yeah, it's yours. Yeah, it's yours. Tracy, what is one thing that spoke to your soul either during or after your cancer journey or both? The one thing that spoke to my soul was that the intuition that God has given us is real. It's very real. And faith, if I had to say two things, faith is very real. It's not imaginary. It's real. And if you can rely on that, whatever your higher power is, if you can rely on that, the truth is real. It's there. Now, it doesn't always come fair but it is real. So there was nothing that I asked God for during that time that I didn't get mm-hmm. above and beyond. I had asked God, I had wrote three things in my journal. I said, God, if you let me get through this too, I would never leave another one by herself. I stayed true to that word. And three, I'll tell it to whoever needs to hear it. I'll tell it. I have stayed true to those three things. So therefore, I believe that since I've stayed true to that, my blessings have been that I've seen my children grow up. I've seen many things come out of a lot of the journey that I had went through and a lot of the advocacy I've gone through. A lot of this has been rectified because they don't have to do it the way I did it. And I'm still here to tell it. I got double digits now. I got a double digits. My husband yeah. calls it a life sentence. Yeah. I have a double <laughs> and when I when I reached the five, I was when I reached the 10, I was like, oh my goodness. And I reached the 15. I, it was just joyous. Now I'm getting 20. I'm like, I'm showing out. <laughs> yes, yes. And you are a great example of cancer doesn't mean the end of your life. It can actually spark a new beginning to your life. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I want people to know too, is that it's not the end. You might get redirected, but it's not the end. Yeah, absolutely. And the redirection for me has been very rewarding. And the redirection means I have met some wonderful people some I have kept in touch with, some I have not, to be able to tell the story. And nobody can tell the story the way I can tell it. So now my youngest is now she's 26, getting ready to be 27. And she went through this whole journey with me. She knows what that it has brought to just see the growth, I should say. So when I tell women, go ahead and cry if you must, go ahead and yell if you must, but please don't stay there. Yeah, don't get stuck there. Tracy, you have shared a wealth of information with us and just love how passionate you are, not only about what you experience, but about helping other people. 
through their cancer journey, making sure they have the information that they need and the support overall that they need. So thank you for everything that you do in the cancer community. It's indeed a pleasure. Thank you. Tracy, before we end, I'd like to ask my guests two questions. And the first one is, what do people often misunderstand about you the most? I would say they misunderstand that a lot of times what I'm giving is available to them too. And what I mean about that, it may be just some wittiness, some advice, some joy. I'm a middle kid. This cancer thing was a first for my whole family and I was never a first to do anything. <laughs> I wasn't the first to get married. I wasn't the first born. So this was a first and for me to be the first to do this in the way I did it, I felt like I survived it. So it was a huge thing to take me outside of my family circumference, I should yeah. say. That's the first thing. I think the fact what I'm giving, because I'm a very given person when I'm giving, can sometimes be construed as not just advice, but controlling, but it's not. But mm -hmm. I definitely am not the controlling person. Thank you for sharing that. The second question is, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? On the ocean. <laughs> My why is because water is a lot. The water is soothing, it's joyous, it's non-wavering, but at the same time, you can't stop it. It's forceful and it's needed. Something everybody needs, everything that's living needs water. Casey, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? Ladies, please go get checked. It's an appointment. We get our nails done. We get our hair done. We get lashes done. <laughs> Go get checked because your internal can't work. Can't your outside can't work without your internal work. It's like your engine. Go get your engine checked. When that check engine light comes on, you got to go see about that. So your body is to check engine life to your joy in your life. Go get it checked. Great advice. Thank you so much. Tracy, again, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. Congratulations on 20 years of survivor and thrivership because you are thriving. <laughs> yes, yes, I continue. I plan to continue. Wonderful. And before we end today, I'd like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you found this episode helpful and you enjoyed it, please consider giving Navigating Cancer Together some stars over on Apple Podcasts and leave a positive review. Thank you so much for joining us this Wednesday. Until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed the show, please share or tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.